ran to catch it and smiled at the driver who paused long enough for her to clamber on and touch her oyster card, but then accelerated with a jerk that threw her sideways. Emily was athletic once, strong, but now she was always a little unsteady on her feet and had to clasp the rail in order not to fall flat on her face. She swung rail to rail down the length of the bus until she found a spare seat, avoiding eye contact with the other passengers, who were just as furtively avoiding eye contact with her. It had been a shock when she had first arrived in this country to find that people didn't greet each other in the street, or on the bus, or talk if they could possibly help it. Sometimes, Sun's street instincts still got the better of her. But if there was anything she truly loved about England, it was exactly this. The anonymity. The ability to live unnoticed, unidentified, undefined. There was a pleasure she found in the vast hordes of people whose names she didn't know, rushing obliviously past each other. There was comfort in the uniformity of floor upon floor of council housing, like that of the building she lived in, her room on the fifth indistinguishable from the rest. There was tranquility in the busyness of people's lives, in their individualistic pursuits and their self-obsession. There was isolation, escape. Emily alighted at Golders Green Station. Her flat was still a fifteen-minute walk from there, but she needed some groceries and preferred to buy them from the bigger shops with hundreds of customers rather than from the small convenience store on the corner of her road. She'd only been a few times, but already the owner knew her face and asked her questions like, No avocados today? How about mangoes? I have perfect mangoes. You don't like them? And the week before... Where are you from? She picked up a basket outside the front of Tesco and dipped into the shop. She had exactly four pounds and seventy-three pence left in her purse, so had to make her selection carefully. The money needed to last until the end of the week, and it was only Wednesday. Reluctantly, she made her way towards the canned goods aisle and selected a tin of economy beans and some corn. Next, she found a loaf of bread that had been reduced in price because it was already at its sell-by date, and tore three bananas from a bigger bunch. Longingly, she eyed the avocados, but here such fruits were exotic and expensive. Emily picked up a small, hard one and quickly slipped it into her coat pocket. At the counter, the cashier greeted her politely, but without recognition, and Emily smiled. Rubbing the bunch of carriers between her fingers to separate them, she packed her few items into two bags so that the heavy tins could be divided and she could prevent the plastic handles from carving out valleys in her thin arms on the walk home. She always carried bags over her arms instead of in her hands. When she used to go shopping with Auntie, they would walk home with fifteen bags between them and Emily would carry ten of them, each one balanced carefully an inch or two away from the next, all the way up her scrawny forearms, the skin pinching together, as if she, like the avocados they had bought, was being tested for ripeness. That was at the very beginning, when she was grateful to Auntie for coming to her rescue, and naive still to the reality that real rescue wasn't possible simply by escaping a place. Memories weren't rooted in the soil. Emily realised now that Auntie had loved her then. She hadn't been able to feel it at the time, but identified it later, like so many things, in its loss. They had done well to put up with her, really. They managed it for three years, 
and she knew, even as it was happening, that the screaming and the silences and the disappearances would one day amount to a final straw. Gradually, Auntie began to raise her voice at her, and Uncle hit her once, which made everything worse. She wasn't surprised when they told her to leave. She told herself she felt safer that way anyway, alone and running. A white van was parked in front of the entrance to Emily's building. As she rounded the corner, she studied the men bounding in and out of it, unloading boxes. In Africa, they would be surrounded by people. Newcomers were objects of curiosity to be scrutinised and assessed. He who has travelled alone can tell what he wants, went the proverb, one of many that even after so many years, Emily was unable to rid from her mind. But the proverb held a truth, and it had felt natural for her in another time.